By now, if you've been listening to The Real Deal On, you've figured out that the show is about learning what it takes to succeed in any area of life. Well, this episode will be no different. Our good friend AJ Mirzad shares how he overcame massive challenges to create a thriving business and personal life. Cue the intro. Welcome to The Real Deal, where we get real about what it takes to succeed. Whether it's wealth, health, relationships, or finding your purpose, we talk to the masters to uncover the secrets to defying the odds and creating your own rock star legacy. I'm Doug, and after working on multiple Grammy-winning records as an author, transformational speaker, and your personal translightenment coach, I'm committed to your growth and success. And now, here's the real deal. Today's episode of The Real Deal On is brought to you by theheartofnlp.org. Are you looking to expand your success in every area of life by understanding how the psychology of success works? Well, you want to dig into the heart of NLP and learn the science of achievement, the study of the subjective human experience. And we will be digging deep into that with our guest, AJ Mirzad is the author of the best-selling book, The Mind-Body Solution, Train Your Brain for Permanent Weight Loss. He studied exercise, science, and nutrition due to his passion for health and earned a master's degree in psychology due to his fascination with the mindset of weight loss. His cutting-edge approach to permanent weight loss insists that the key to a healthy body is a healthy brain. His clients are walking proof that this is true. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of them. His writing has also been featured Featured in the Huffington Post, Men's Fitness, and Bodybuilding.com. AJ is a keynote speaker at high-end entrepreneurial and personal development events. He is also the host of a popular podcast, the Online Super Coach Podcast, available on iTunes. Along with inspiring the lives of general publics, he is dedicated to helping fitness professionals and health coaches create an ethical and profitable online income through his business mentorship program available at OnlineSuperCoach.com. Um, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. AJ Mirzad, yay, welcome. Oh. <laughs> thank you, Doug. Thank you. So first of all, thank you so much for sharing your most valuable asset, right? Your time, your energy, your wisdom. And uh, we just chatted earlier. The, the goal here is just to share with people what's possible. And you are certainly a shining example of what's possible and uh, creating and designing an incredible life. So let's dig into it. Who is AJ and how did you get into your world of uh, fitness, coaching and beyond? You know, you shared your fascination, but where did that start? Like, did you wake up one day going, oh, how cool? Or was this something that did a life experience occur that made it important? Yeah, that is a great question. I think um, I could go way back to my backstory of being born and I was born in a war-torn country, came to the U.S. at the age of one as a refugee. And it was very challenging for my family to acclimate to the new society. Financially, there's a language barrier. So we struggled for many years. And uh, we lived in a one bedroom apartment in Queens, New York, 
it was five of us sharing it. So grew up poor and really tried to do my best to navigate through life, through the challenges, and just really growing up a son of immigrants. But at an early age, I knew that there's a formula for everything. There was just like this intuitive notion that if I wanted to get in shape, be happier, make more money, there is a formula that I could follow that'll get me the end result. And based on that, I started to really research and look into different methodologies and, and really learning how to crack the code. So the first formula that I had to overcome was losing body fat. I was 60 pounds overweight, I'm the heaviest, and I struggled with my self-esteem, with just my, my physical appearance, my confidence. And that was the first step in understanding that if I do specific actions on a daily basis with my nutrition, my cardio, and my exercise, then I could start to lose body fat, gain muscle, and change my body composition. And that was like my gateway into personal development. And then from there, I looked at, okay, now that I've got a good grip on this area, let me go into my wealth, my relationships, my personal happiness, so on and so forth. How old was that? Like the, the weight loss and like, how long were you, uh, for lack of a better word, struggling with that extra weight and what impact did it have? Was it impacting your business or was it still in school? Like what was the, the, the environment in which you were dealing with that? I was overweight up until my, my early twenties, you know, and I was very self-conscious. I had a big old belly man boobs and chipmunk face. And um, <laughs> I just struggled with trying to lose weight. I think I had a bad relationship. I was allergic to exercise and I couldn't follow a diet. My life depended on it. So I think um, going through high school and college, like it really affected me. And then uh, I actually had a really bad experience, which was a near-death experience. And to make a long story short, I was taking this fat burner and I ended up overdosing on it to the point where I flatlined. I was taken to a hospital. It's pronounced dead. They brought me back to life, but I was in a coma for a week. And recovering from that and surviving a near-death experience, it made me realize like, wow, life is very precious and I need to start taking different steps in my life. And that was kind of like the catalyst that really helped me to lose weight and really take charge of my life. Wow. So you really almost did lose all that weight. Yes, instantly. <laughs> In one shot. Wow. So obviously we don't recommend doing anything like that. Uh, so that was at that time, like you shared, you got your master's in psychology. Was that after you got into the, the whole idea of understanding like it's going to take more than taking pills? Um, yeah, to absolutely. Absolutely. You know, at the time I was not a recreational reader. And when I was recovering in the hospital, uh, the doctor that was helping me, he handed me a book, and it was Eckhart Tolle's The Power of Now. And that was the first book I read outside of school, outside of recommending reading. And that book changed my whole mindset about the present moment, mm -hmm. the ego, the human mind. And from that point on, I had a really big insight. And I said, wow, this is my mind that's causing this, all of these negative situations. And even prior to that, I was drinking a lot of alcohol, consuming drugs, just like really just self-destructive patterns. And that was like a big wake-up call. Reading that book made me want to get deeper into understanding how the mind works and, and mm -hmm. how can I now um, basically manipulate my mind in a positive way to start creating more beneficial changes. 
Love it. I have going on the pathway of uh, Eckhart Tolle. Did you read A New Earth? Oh, yes. Uh, I'm a huge Eckhart Tolle fan and I've read every single book and audio book he's ever created. Okay. Yeah. I love it. I, uh, yeah, I, I read, uh, a new earth. I was flying, I think I was working with Tony at the time and flying from New York to California. I read the whole book and I cried like half the way. Just, it was so touching. It's like, man, he's saying everything that I couldn't articulate around my relationship with spirituality and, and like going deeper into just being, uh, so that's so, so cool. So, you left high, when you went to get your master's, was your intention to maybe be a psychologist or do that for a living? Or was it just out of curiosity, like, you know, to, to feed that passion of, of understanding how the brain works? Yeah. Just really that logical formulaic mindset. If I just study psychology and understand how the mind works, the subconscious mind works, then I can use it towards my benefit, but also I could help uh, people all around me, you know, because I started to become a personal trainer, uh, you know, after I lost the weight. And I knew that there was a, a big gap from just giving someone a nutrition and, and workout plan. So if I could master the fundamentals of psychology, I could help myself and never get into that negative situation again, but also help other people with their own personal addictions. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, I, I certainly would uh, recommend if, are you still training people personally or are you doing more mentorship? No, uh, currently I uh, don't do any uh, personal training. You know, I retired from that okay. many years ago, but Good. it's really just online coaching for the most part. Okay, great. So then when I say this, I don't have to worry about uh, not, you know, obviously you're you live in New York, so <laughs> excuse me, people in other areas. But I would say that the you want if you're hiring a personal trainer, definitely someone who understands how important the psychology is. That it's more than just you know, okay, do these reps, lift these weights, and eat this food. Like if you don't have that critical piece, you're not going to be able to maintain doing the work in the first place. Um, so so yeah, yeah definitely. And, and, you know, and, and I feel you know, I was thinking about that earlier today, actually, Doug. I feel like in just about every area of life, there's like a philosophy behind it, right? Let's say right now, all the rages in, in crypto and Bitcoin, right? And people just want, what, what coin do I buy? They just want the tactic. Tell me when to buy. And, and I look at it from a different point of view. If I want to master crypto and invest in it, I want to learn the philosophy behind it, understand the patterns and the dips and what these coins are created for. Looking five, 10, 20 years into the future, so I find that people that are fascinated with the, with a mindset, a thinking pattern, and the deeper philosophy about a subject, they do far better than someone just given a tactic. Hundred percent, and that's so. I, I'll use the example of when you understand the philosophy and you have a clear outcome. It's like a GPS, mm-hmm. right? So what what happens? What does the GPS do when you're off course? Yeah, it reroutes it you back on track. Yeah. And if we don't have the right psychology, we're not going to be able to get back on track because all we're doing is, you know, square peg, ground hole. Well, it worked at one point, so I just got to keep doing it. And that uh, clearly isn't going to do that. You need that flexibility in in psychology to have that strength to switch, because I'm going to hallucinate as part of your journey. There were times when you had to do things that were counterintuitive. Absolutely. Absolutely. In the fitness industry, many of my greatest growth and success were doing counterintuitive things, right? So if I'm following a nutrition plan for, let's say, 90 days and I halt my progress, I'm stepping on the scale, it's not moving, 
I have two choices. I could push more in the gym, do more cardio, starve myself, and maybe lose another few pounds. Or I could have a big cheat meal, carve up, do a refeed, reset my metabolism. Maybe I'll gain five to 10 pounds of water weight, but it'll reignite my metabolism. So I get back on the same diet and I start losing weight again with exercise, right? If I'm not making any strength gains and I'm feeling aches and pains, let me take a week off from the gym, rest and relax, and then come back. And, you know, it's, it's a counterintuitive that oftentimes gets you to keep making progress. It, that is like, uh, that's why I love golf. Do you play golf? Uh, no, 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 I'm a golf guy. Okay. Well, I, I'm not as much, I mean, I, I play a couple times a year. Uh, when earlier my first career in music, I was able to play a lot more. But um, it is counterintuitive in that when, as the example, like if you're not hitting the ball, like it's just shooting out all over the place. Actually, the lighter you swing, the straighter and farther the ball will go. Mm. And so you could just do a three quarter swing or a half swing and the ball will soar. And if you try and crush it, oftentimes that's when you top it. That's when you hit it funny and it doesn't go nearly as far. So I heard about that. Yeah. yeah. So it's just it's understanding and having faith in the the wisdom and knowledge that you've either hopefully acquired because you've hired the right mentors and coaches to give you that advice, uh, because I'm sure as a coach, you've had that happen where you've shared with one of your uh, one of your students, your clients, uh, hey, one, what, what about this? Why don't you try this? And like, no, no, you know, and it's like the opposite of what one might think to do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think uh, when I was first starting my business and I hired my first business coach, um, I was very big on being an action taker and always being productive. I was single at the time and I just worked eight to 12 hours a day, pushing, pushing, pushing. And then I felt super burnt out and was not making a lot of progress. And he said, AJ, do me a big favor. Take the next seven days off. No reading, no business, no marketing. I, I just want you to have fun. Do not think of anything business or marketing related. And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I mean, at the time it was like, how is this going to work? How is this going to get me back on track? But of course, taking a vacation, taking time away from it, uh, changing your thinking patterns, rejuvenating yourself. You come back fresher and more focused. Very similar to what you just shared with your diet. Absolutely. Yes. There's, there's you know, these universal truths that go <laughs> yeah. hand in, hand in different areas of life. So you got into personal training and you obviously were very successful at that. How did you make your shift from the physical training to which included psychology, of course, to the business? Like who, who's your ideal client? Who do you work with? Is it other like fitness people? It, it seemed like that's a, a main focus of yours. Is it for other coaches? Is it like who's your ideal client? Yeah, primarily I have uh, 80% of my clientele are personal trainers and fitness coaches. And then I have a 20% for relationship, business coaching, uh, dating coaches. So okay. you know, I find this, the same principles where the, the marketing, the sales and how to deliver your superpower in an online forum could work just about for any coaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Uh, so did you, when, you know, putting a timestamp on this, were you doing online coaching prior to COVID or was that a big disruptor for your flow? Oh yeah. I've actually been uh, online coaching since 2010. Great. And as I was mentioning to you, the, the first coach 
that I had, uh, Chris McComb, shout out to him. He really gave me a new insight about online marketing. He was just phenomenal at online marketing, storytelling, using different automations. And at the time, I hired him to grow my personal training business. But then I realized that if I take on more clients, I'm just training hours for dollars. I'm getting Mm -hmm. from 5 a.m., working until 9 p.m. I started doing group training, still the same thing. And then it's this whole world of if there is something like the pandemic or someone wants to take a vacation, you're not making money during those weeks. So I had to figure out a better way because I also didn't want to be a personal trainer for the rest of my life. You know, I did it for a decade. I was starting to get burnt out. Mm-hmm. And he taught me the principles of pretty much communicating the same value that you have in person through your marketing instead of sitting face to face with a person, selling one to many on a video, on a webinar, on a sales call, and really just being um, in a way that you leverage yourself. And I think the biggest hump and the biggest challenge I had to learn because I was training people in person, it's very hands-on inside the gym. Mm. How do I now give the same level of value, care, and, and success while I'm doing it online using apps and technology and software? And is that how you're doing it? You, you use apps? Is that your... Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Initially, uh, you know, back then, I mean, there were really crappy apps and the software <laughs> was, was, was very poor. And then over time, technology improved and apps got more efficient. And now there's a lot of wearable technology. I have an aura ring over here. It tracks my activity and my sleep and you have mm-hmm. the loop band. But there's amazing things that you could track your client's progress, even using blood work. And there's so much great things out there. But as technology exponentially improves, then we have more ways of virtually coaching people all around the world. It's, it's the Jetsons. Yes, we're, we're, we're doing that. So obviously, you're not doing trainings on camera like, you know, exercise. You're helping the, the coaches who are doing that is my hallucination. Right. So, yes, yeah, correct. So you're helping the the coach build their online. So, man, you were already poised in a perfect situation once the pandemic hit because you were able to sort of help. I'm sure tons of trainers who were like, what do I do now? I can't, how am I going to help my clients? Absolutely. You know, Doug, it was a very tough time and no one knew when it was going to end here in New York gyms and personal training studios were closed for eight months. So I think some people waited, you know, 14 days to stop the spread. Then they realized this ain't going away anytime soon. So there's two types of people. One that just said, I'm going to wait this out and maybe just kind of live off my savings and just kind of relax until this is over. Or someone who takes charge and take initiative and says, I'm going to hire a coach. I'm going to start doing research. I'm going to transition fully online. So the clients that I already have, I could bring them onto the online program, but also learn how to leverage myself, how to take mm-hmm. these skills and market through the internet. And thankfully, you know, in my business, we did well because a lot of people wanted to transition online and the intelligent trainers and coaches they hired me, hired other people like me, and they're able to pivot their businesses. And now many of them are strictly doing online coaching because they find that one, nowadays, most people prefer virtual and online. And number two, it's a more scalable method than working, you know, trading time for money. Yeah, that that certainly creates burnout really fast. So if, you, oh, if, you, yeah. if you're not scaling, you're back into just doing the same thing you were doing before, just not commuting as much. Exactly. <laughs> so, well said. Uh, so when we like 
we're in the you just said you said you had uh, kind of jumping quite a bit ahead uh, because we want to talk about some obstacles. The pandemic may not have hit you as hard because you had the opportunity of coaches and you were already poised for that. But it seems like the universe provided you another opportunity to uh, slow down or overcome or apply what you uh, what you teach. So tell us about you know what happened with uh, that that basically put you out of commission for a little bit. Wow, wow, wow! I take a deep breath for this one because <laughs> last year I faced the most freak, difficult, worst accident of my life. You know, I was on vacation in Brazil, and three days into the vacation, I ended up slipping on a wet staircase, and upon slipping, my left leg shot back, and I felt a loud pop and a deep pain and I quickly realized something was wrong. I tried to stand up, my leg buckled underneath me. I never experienced this before. I didn't know if my leg was broken or what exactly it was. So when that injury happened, I was essentially paralyzed from the waist down for a few hours because it was such an excruciating pain. Finally, I got myself to the hospital and the doctor told me that I tore my quadricep. It literally, the muscle re, uh, detached from the bone. Oh, and I'm sort of rolling up my leg. It's something I never experienced my whole life. And from that point on, I knew my life was going to change in a dramatic way. This was actually uh, late February, March of 2020. And I remember trying to leave Brazil. I had to have surgery, emergency surgery. I flew back to New York. And at that time, the pandemic was starting. But I realized while we're all going to be you know, indoors because of the pandemic, I'm going to be pretty much you know, indoors because of this leg. So that accident really changed my life in a profound way. But at the same time, there were a lot of great lessons and insights that came from it. What was one of the first ones that you came to realize uh, being uh, uh, hobbled, as it were? Yes, yes, yes. So when it first happened, I was in a lot of pain, a lot of discomfort. I couldn't walk, you know, being a fitness-oriented guy. I was jogging every single day, going to the gym, and I, I couldn't move my body, and it was really affecting me mentally. I went into a deep depression um, when this first happened, and I remember just friends reaching out to me, similar to you. I have a lot of friends in the Tony Robbins community, and Tony Robbins has a great quote. He says, life happens for you, not to you, mm-hmm. and that was like a mantra that I had, like life is happening for me. What's good about this? I'm not going to get negative and say, I shouldn't have went to Brazil. I should have walked down that staircase. Why is this happening to me? I'm never going to be the same again. It's such a long recovery. I mean, all these negative stories. This is happening for me. And soon I'll find out the reason why. So oddly enough, when I was having my surgery, uh, a few days later, I, I got a message from a lovely woman, you know, going to Brazil. She's actually Brazilian, but she lived in New York. And she just said, you know, I heard you went to Brazil. How's your trip going? And I said, you will not understand. Uh, This trip went really bad. And here's all the bad things that happened. (laughs) And she felt sad about the whole thing and said, wow, you uh, went to Brazil. You got hurt. I'm so sorry this happened to you. It's very tragic. You got hurt in my home country. I want to make it up to you. I know you're recovering surgery soon. Can I stop by, bring some food and keep you company? I said, wow, okay, this sounds great. Uh, Visit, you know, I'm lonely. I'm hungry. Uh, come on down, you know, and that chance encounter, her coming to my house a few days after surgery, it was just magical. Like I just connected with her in such a profound way. And from that point on, I was like, okay, now I kind of see why it's happening for me because 
this woman came into my life. Mm. And a few days later, she came back. And a few days later, she, you know, so all of a sudden we started dating, you know, and it bloomed to this incredible relationship. Her name is Raffaella. And uh, we've been together for over a year. Now we live together. And I realized like, wow, you know, if I never hurt myself during that accident, I would never have met the love of my life. Wow. And and I'm going to also go out on a limb here in edifying that mindset. Had you not maintained looking for how is this working for me, not to me, you wouldn't be in the right mindset and you probably would have turned her off if all you did was it's one thing to share. Yeah, this crazy yeah. stuff happened. It's another thing if you're just stuck into woe is me and, you know, screw Brazil. And I'm never gonna, like she'd be like, ah, this is this. I don't want to like, I, how am I going to be around this person? Uh, yeah. But your positivity and your willingness to look and ask that question. How is this help? How is this supporting me? How is this open to something even better? uh is Absolutely. is tremendous uh because the truth is yeah maybe if you hadn't gone to brazil you never would have even met her in the first place this no whole way. this whole situation wouldn't have happened uh without it Absolutely. and and that's testament to the, the fact of um the the importance of psychology and success in every area of your life it's not just fitness sure. right how you do anything is how you do everything yeah, yeah. You know, growing up, I was extremely pessimistic. And I feel like that negative mindset attracted a lot of negative experiences. And I would mm -hmm. complain and I was his victim. And I never really got anywhere in life, you know, because I just attracted other victims. We just got in a group of complaining together and our life just got worse and worse and worse. And then I had that near death experience where I was in a coma and I kind of felt like I got a second lease on life. And at the same time, understanding psychology, understanding that I had to make a perspective shift, that good things are coming and this bad thing, one door closes, another opens. And what's good about this? You know, all these little reframes and tricks that I learned throughout the years started really changing my reality. And I think it changed my reality in such a way that now I'm mature enough to just surrender to life. I truly feel that life is just flowing in a specific way. You meet people, you have experiences, you have conversations like this, you gain new insights. And the less that I try to manipulate, control, change, complain, and the more I just let go, the better my life flows. Mm -hmm. So it's not something that I've perfected, but over time, when things are happening, it is really that mindset of like, oh, cool, this happening for me could be the worst thing. I, I you know, tax bill last year for $360,000. And it just freaked me out. I remember just, oh my God, I'm screwed. I got to pay this back. And little voice in my head said, just let go, just surrender to this. Worst case scenario, you got to pay this money. Thankfully, you're in a good place financially. You're not going to be homeless because of it. It's going to take some money away from your retirement. But worst case scenario, you got this. And the more I let go to that situation, I said, I'm going to do my best and forget the rest. Uh, that tax bill went away and like other things in life, mm -hmm. you know, our thinking, these scenarios we carry in our mind, we create these nightmare scenarios and 99% of the time they never happen. So why do that? Just let go. And if the bad thing happens, you'll be able to handle it. Well, and if you, if you focus on it and you think about it, a hundred percent of the time they happen in your head. 
Absolutely. So you experience it anyway. So yeah, you're experiencing it over and over. Yeah. I, I use the example. I'll, I'll ask, uh, you know, at an event, I'll say, let's imagine you had like the, the coolest, like the newest, what is it? Like a 90 inch TV screen. Like you have a movie theater in your house. You've got the coolest sound system and you've got, you know, like the, it's just the best of everything in there. And you walk into your house and the worst movie you've ever seen is playing on that. It's the one that makes you feel like crap. We all have got that movie that just we oh, like, oh, I hate watching this movie. What would you do if you walked in and that was happening in your you house? Really turn it off. Yeah, exactly. Turn it off. Change the channel. Right. But what some people do is we we actually enroll other people to watch it with us. And we're like, and it's like, and when they try and change a channel for us, like, no, 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 no. You don't understand how effed yeah. up this is. Right. We create, you know, the victim vacuum that just basically sucks more people into it and we just attract it and then the people who are more positive mindset they're either going to not participate either way but they're either going to give you a hint like hey you know um i love you and i'm not going to participate in that so when you're ready to get on another train um i'm on it and you're welcome to join yes. me or they just go i'm just step, step away and i'm not gonna participate at all in that and that's what sadly happens and when people stay in that in, in that victim mindset instead of taking responsibility and going huh i wonder what role i played in that relationship mm. falling apart yes. they just blame oh. the other person they go oh that jerk that you know yeah. and, and it's really sad um and i i use that as the example of what could have happened with uh Raffaella had you oh man stayed a victim not the victor terrible downward spiral of depression and victimhood and you know, is would even slow down the healing process, you know? Yeah. And I do realize that um, if we have this language that bad things are happening, it's, it's going to attract more of that. It's going to become our reality, you know? Mm -hmm. And I do find that, yes, maybe there are some weak points. You have emotional outbursts. You want to vent. You just want to let this poison out of you. But oftentimes while you're venting, you're like, this is such a stupid thought. Why am I having this? And... <laughs> You just, you know, it dissolves into nothingness because it's so ridiculous, you know, well, but just letting it out and, and but not attaching anything to it. And that's the trick. And that's that's the wisdom of doing the work. You know, the personal development experience is being able to recognize it and let it go. Right. It's not yeah. that we don't have bad moments, but they're moments. Right. Because oh, then okay. we catch it and go, OK, used to be days or weeks or years. But now it's like, OK, cool. It's OK to vent. I mean, uh, as a great example, we'll use uh, Tony Robbins, uh, the Dickens process. Oh, You've yeah. been to UPW. Right. So the Dickens process, part of it is feeling like crap on purpose. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, there's there's a time and place for it when used appropriately and then able to let it go and and take that as a mindset, this is happening for me, not to me, and then wow. use it as that energy, because clearly you have some energy behind the pain you experienced. Oh, big time, big time. No, that's a great point. I love the Dickens process. And I find that if people, you know, obviously you can't go to a Tony event or you don't have a coach or a mentor, you can self guide yourself through this process. And I often do it because I journal, I've been journaling for the past 15 years, I never miss a day. But that's kind of like my, my personal psychologist, that book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I love Byron Katie. Uh, mm -hmm. She has a book called The Work. And his philosophy is very simple. And his philosophy is questioning every thought. A thought comes up, limiting belief. Is this true? 
how do I know that this is 100% true, right? It's, it's like just questioning it. And I'll, let's say if I'm dealing with something and it's a reoccurring negative thought, instead of constantly mulling over it, I'll just go to my journal, I'll put a line down the middle of the paper and I'll just put all my beliefs that I think are real. And then on the left side, I'll put the truth. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, just by writing it out, it's the same process of venting where you're venting to a friend or a coach. You realize how utterly ridiculous it is or going to the worst case scenario and then just speaking the truth of it. Right. So as a business owner, you have a bad month of business and, oh, my God, I'm going backwards. I'm going to lose everything. I'm going to be homeless and soon I'll be eating cat food and living on the street. You know, and it's this <laughs> crazy, just unbelievable nightmare it'll never happen in a million years, right? Most people, if they have a bad month, bad business, let's say the mortgage, you know, do you know how long you can stay in a house and not pay uh, your mortgage before they kick you out? You know, just, just like realistic, um, you know, realities to it. But once you put the truth next to that false belief, it's very, very empowering. And did you get into that exercise uh, when you went to uh, psychology or when you started getting into personal development? Like where where did those practices start to come for you? You know, um, when I had that near death experience, the first book I read was Eckhart Tolle, The Power Uh of Now. And I realized, wow, like recreational reading is so powerful. And I soon became addicted and I started reading a book a week. And I was just devouring every single book I could find about personal development, mindset. For that first year, I read 30 books, and it just compounded over time. Mm-hmm. And each book I read just gave me a little shift in perspective, that little insight. And I realized, like, wow, I'm learning so much from these books, and it's really changing my philosophy on life. Uh, before that time, I was programming myself in a very negative way, very closed-minded way, very victim. Woe is me. I'm never going to win. And book by book, journal by journal, I'm reprogramming myself and it's giving me a new outlook and a new philosophy on life. So did your family, you came here with your family, do you have siblings and are yeah. they uh, on the same path or did you find a, uh, a disconnect when you started getting into personal development? Oh, initially there was a disconnect. You know, they call me a nerd or you're just a bookworm because I'm a bit of an introvert. So I would just go and just read these books to kind of isolate myself. I kind of needed that at the time. But then as I saw the positive changes, I actually have three younger brothers. I'm the oldest one and it's four boys in total. Once they started seeing me becoming happier and more confident, more outgoing, and my business started growing and I started to invest and I, I bought my dream house and my dream car. Then they saw like, wow what this guy is doing is actually working. Let me start doing some of it uh, myself. And they started, you know, asking me for books or advice. And then once they saw the results, they started asking for the advice. Awesome. And are they on similar paths in uh, coaching and speaking and and that uh, stuff? Or are they just applying it in their own way to their life? Yes, not quite. They don't, they don't um, have, you know, any type of coaching business or uh, like their own type of business. They, they work in, in, you know, different jobs and mm-hmm. life insurance and stuff of that nature, but they're applying the same principles toward their family, their relationships yeah. and in their whole uh, personal careers. Well, and I mean, that's a, such a, an important point uh, that that personal development 
applies in everything. Like, oh, you know, yeah. even, even all the coaching I do when I do, you know, business coaching and corporate stuff, I'm, when I come in, like we have our, you know, there, there's the strategies and tactics and all that, but w- without the right mindset, it doesn't matter. They're not going to apply yeah. it. It's not going to have the same impact uh, because it's like fueling our our supercar with crap gas. It's just yeah. it's not going to it's not going to work. Sure. And then you blame the, the car. I found that the biggest impact it's making is my relationship. And I know you have a great relationship as well. And mm-hmm. I like to talk to people that are in great relationships and really talk about the, the, their strategies and their philosophies and how they deal with fights and anger. And, you know, uh, whenever there's a, a difficult time, how are you dealing with it? Because to be in a relationship, there's going to be arguments and disagreements and, and downtimes. And there are, you know, ways of dealing with it, right? Uh, we have a way that we deal with failure and anger. And oftentimes it's a pattern that maybe our parents taught us. And we do that in all our personal relationships. And uh, my girlfriend, Raffaella, um, she's kind of like a newbie to personal development. She's not a, as advanced as I am or has not read all the books. And it was amazing because she's an eager student and she loves to learn. And I knew from previous failed relationships that I was not going to make those same mistakes. And right off the bat, we started having couples meetings every single week and learning how to deal with discomfort and arguments and really applying strategies. Gottman's rule is phenomenal. He says, for every negative statement, you need to do four positive statements, you know, mm-hmm. and, and learning the love languages and all these amazing strategies that really help our relationship. So uh, brilliant segue to that. So all of this happened uh, with you in your accident, like right at the head of uh, beginning of COVID. Yes. Then she came over right at the beginning of COVID and this whole thing. Um, so you basically got into a pressure cooker in many respects, because not only were you meeting each other for the first time, it was under extraordinary circumstances, physical issue that was, you know, kind of outside of your control, then the pandemic issue outside of your control. What a, a blessing and a, a wonderful, challenging way to get to know each other, because really you have all the opportunities to find out how you deal with stress, how you deal with challenges, because, you know, as, in relationships, when things are going well, everything goes well. Who cares? Right. You yeah. know, like you could have rose colored glasses. It's when things start getting challenging where, you know, our old patterns and those things, maybe we picked up from old, you know, either relationships or our family's relationships. So what was that like for her? Like, was she, did she have to stay home or was she working independently? So it didn't have that same impact. Like what kind of stressors were showing up when you were showing up? Because obviously you had your stressors, what were hers? Yeah, that's a great question, Doug, you know, because um, not only were we starting our relationship, we were quarantined together because uh, (laughs) I I was injured at home. She was helping me, taking me to the physical therapist and the doctor. And then she was spending so much time at my place. Uh, She lived about 20 minutes away that uh, two months after we met, she moved in. So she moved in and all of a sudden everything was exposed, you know, Mm -hmm. all our bad habits and all our negative beliefs and, you know, just our our ways and philosophies sometimes uh, interacted. And definitely uh, she worked from home. Uh, I work from home and we were just 
face to face 24 seven. And we never really had any uh, dating. There was no courting because all the restaurants were closed. So we spent every waking moment together uh, for the past year, essentially. And it was definitely like um, an acceleration. I feel like the one year in quarantine was like three years in a normal relationship. So mm-hmm. we moved uh, things very, very quickly. And it was not easy. I must say that, you know, I had certain habits being a bachelor that she didn't agree with. And then for her, she wanted to change stuff and uh, decorate the house in a way that I didn't agree with. So it was like all these uh, battle of egos that were happening. But I think the greatest lesson that we both learned was to never give up. You Mm -hmm. know, everyone says they want a 10-10 relationship. On social media, they show a 10-10 relationship. But there's some points that it's a two out of 10 or a three out of 10. And you can create a story in your mind and say, you know what? My relationship is a three out of 10. This person is wrong. I am right. I'm going to leave them and find a new person. I'm going to leave them. I'll be single and I'll get to have so many options. Then I'll finally find my dream partner. And that's the wrong way of thinking about it because you leave them that same baggage, that same mindset, that same negative way of dealing with people will follow you in the next relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, dude, I totally, uh, totally relate. My, my wife and I, we met similarly in, in that, uh, or our, our story is a little similar. We met, um, without getting into the whole story, how we met and all that, but she came on the road with me with Tony Robbins. Wow. We never, we, we actually, we dated, we had, we, she came to, I was on the road, I was in Milwaukee, living in Milwaukee. She came supposed to be for three days. First time we met in person came for three days or it's supposed to be three days, stayed for the whole week. And essentially within two weeks, she was on the road with me living. We were just living together. Wow. And same thing it was like, the reason why was like, I was like, I don't want to do a long, long distance relationship. Like that's going to suck. She was able to, she was a coach. So she, you know, and still is, uh, so she could work from wherever. So she came on the road, but yeah, that, that getting like in close quarters, and yeah. not really having the an out, as it were, like to, to just not give up. Oh, there was plenty of opportunities where there was testing, yes. as it were. Um, uh, a, a wise man told me that if you ever want to marry someone, go on a one-week road trip with them. If you could survive that road trip, then you could say married to them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We 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 drove. We drove from New York because I grew up on New York, in New York as well. Oh, cool. um, I we drove from New York to Florida. That was our first. Uh, wow. So yeah, fun. yeah, yeah. Basically, oh yeah, I don't recommend it. Um, we did it twice. Uh, so wait, well, actually, uh, New York. You're in Queens right now. No, I, I'm actually in Manhattan. Okay, in, uh, great. Midtown. Awesome. Um, yes. So yeah, I, one of the studios I uh, used to work at we had was 1600 Broadway. Oh, very right cool. in, the middle, in there. Uh, but you did, you say you grew up in Queens? Yes, I grew up in Queens. Okay, yes. what part? Uh, Fresh Meadows is the area. Okay, yeah. yeah. I, I grew up in Garden City. Oh, wow, that's a great area. Yeah. yeah that's where the mall is. And yeah. Yeah, we, yeah. I was a mall rat there. I used to walk to that mall, right at the corner of Glen Cove and Clinton, uh, or nice. uh, Old Country Road, like that little area. That was where we lived. And uh, so yeah. I would walk to the mall every day. And That's uh, awesome. It's like so pre-social media, so. The yeah, when they had, excited, you know, they had a video like the video games, an actual oh, yeah, arcade. Those. Yeah, I love those arcades. 
Old school. There's actually one down here in Delray that uh, has uh, like one floor of pinball and another floor oh, wow. of uh, just video games. And I guess you pay one fee and you can just play games oh, all day. It's pretty it's cool. Fun game oh, yeah. Yeah. So as you've been on this journey, um, how did you get into like Tony? Like, what was that like? Because you got Eckhart Tolle and, and it's, you know, uh, um, Byron Katie, like they're certainly part of the the same field, but definitely different. How did you get into Tony, and what was that like going from sort of the the more somewhat emotional, intellectual approach to Tony's like off the chain, you know, energetic approach? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I never really immersed myself in Tony Robbins' work. I watched some videos with them, and I read little excerpts of his books. And I just realized he's a great speaker. There's something special about him, but it was kind of like, oh, he's kind of saying what everyone else is saying. And then around 2015, actually, um, I had a student who signed up for my program. He wanted to build an online fitness business. His name was Eli Wilhide. You may know him. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. We work together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He he does an FSR and he was uh, building his online business at the time and doing sales for Tony Robbins. And it was super nice and cool of him. He invited me to a UPW in Florida. And he said, you got to come to this event. I'm going to give you a comp ticket. Come experience it. And I said, okay, what's the big difference between seeing his videos, reading his books? What, what's so special about a UPW? <laughs> you know, this, this was you know, like five, six years ago. And I just intuitively felt like I had to experience it. And that one event changed my life. Eli was there. He was, you know, talking to me and guiding me through the whole process, but the emerging process of UPW, it was like the greatest high I've ever experienced mm-hmm. without alcohol and drugs. You know, I was a guy like standing on the chair, jumping up and down, yeah. gazing, <laughs> hugging strangers. You know, I was in my t-shirt. It was like, you know, 40 degrees inside the room, but I, w- I was just so immersed in it. And I mm-hmm. felt like it shifted my psychology. You know, that event had a huge impact on me. I realized the power of going to one of Tony's live events. And I set a big, big, big goal at the time. And I said, I'm going to sell the house that I have in the Fresh Meadows Queens and buy my million dollar dream house. I'm going to do it in the next 30 days. And this certainty, this amazing feeling that I had, I said, Monday morning when I get back, I'm going to do it. And literally, I put my house on the market. I kid you not, Doug, within six hours of being live, someone came and actually offered $20,000 more than I put. And my house got sold, and now I had 30 days to find a new house so that I could you know, <laughs> close. And it just worked down such a magical way that literally after that uh, seminar, three months after, I moved into my dream house. Wow, that is amazing. Uh, it, that shows you the power of visualization, the power of certainty, the power of committing, yes. excuse me, and, and just following through. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, I'm I, sure you, even during that, you had some resistance. Oh, big time, big time. You know, because we go to these seminars and we, you know, have these, uh, you know, coaching programs. And there's a part of you that's like, I want this goal, but I think I'm being delusional, you know, because it's that fear. Monday comes back and you go back to your old habits. You know, it's very difficult to keep that momentum going. But that event, again, was very different than anything else that I did. And most people will tell you that's what... They go back to UBW and date with destiny and so on yep. and so forth. And I, I did find that there's a type of knowledge that comes from reading a book. And there's a type of knowledge that comes from full high level immersion. 
And Tony was a big inspiration for me because after I did UPW, I hosted my first real seminar. And then I started doing seminars every six weeks because I saw the difference in people from my live events compared to doing coaching online. Oh, love it. Love it. Awesome. So uh, you obviously haven't done any live events uh, in the last year. Um, I assume you're going to be doing them again. Absolutely. I cannot wait. It's my favorite thing to do. I do miss them greatly. And I will say that I'm not a big fan of the virtual events. I've attended many and I kind of did a mini half day one myself and it's not the same. So Mm -hmm. I'm just old school. Like I like the hugs and the high fives and just the energy being around people. So once uh, things get better, I can't wait to have another big live event. Love it. Well, you know, we're open down here in Florida. So if you want to come down here, let's do one. Let's go with Eli. And I know he's doing one. I'm doing yeah. one in Orlando Sweet. coming up soon. So where are uh, you uh, located, Doug? Uh, I'm actually about an hour north of Eli. I'm in, oh, wow. uh, Palm in Beach. Miami. And so you're in Palm Beach. Palm Beach. Okay. Got yeah. it. So I'm literally, I'm like uh, seven miles from Tony. Like wow. Tony's just like on the water and I'm seven miles back. Oh, sweet. That's a beautiful area. Yeah. Indeed. So live events. Um, I, you saw that I, there was a great picture that you had uh, shown. Uh, for, like, was that an event right before uh, the whole thing went down? Or? Yeah, yeah. That was an event in 2019. Okay. You know, amazing. So th- a thousand person event. It was life changing. Thankfully, I had that pick to prove it. Right. <laughs> so where was that? That was at my friend Jason Capital's event. It was a higher status summit in Newport Beach, California. Okay. Right on. Yeah. So when you're like for your events, what is the the goal? Like when so let's get people excited about an event coming up for you. What would what would be uh, an event that you would be putting on that you're going to be putting on that people are going to be excited about? Or is it going to, will it be like doing a joint venture, like, you know, coming and doing stuff with me and Eli or, you know, like what, what is your ideal event? I love all types of event. Actually, Eli and I did an event in LA. Oh, great. Um, uh, uh, two years back. It was really awesome. I'm down to do an event with you and anyone else who wants to collaborate. I'm yeah. down for that. There's something special about collaborating on a joint joint effort event. And um, I think that, you know, any event, whether it's solo or with someone else, for me, the greatest satisfaction is the breakthroughs. I live when someone's eyes light up. Like that's all I look for. Mm-hmm. When I'm sharing a concept or I'm doing an exercise or someone else is teaching something and you see their eyes light up like, holy cow, the paradigm just shifted right there. And at my events, I do a lot of um, experiential exercises. You know, I'm yeah. a big fan of that. And uh, having people cooperate with each other. And I always say at my events, I never want to be the teacher. I never want to be the guru. I'm just a facilitator. I just like mm-hmm. to walk in, feel the energy. You know, I definitely have a plan and structure. But from there, take people on a crazy emotional roller coaster until every single person in that room, once their eyes light up and they get the shift then i've done my job love it uh yeah i mean that breakthrough is so important um i i actually went and i got certified by the 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 company and the people that certified tony oh, in nice. firewalks so i do firewalks and glass walks and hour breaking Sweet. and board and all fire eating all of those 
because that adds such a visceral experience like you just shared like experiential is so important that's why tony's events are so powerful because it's it's an experience it's not like a didactic lecture where you're coming in and learning tactics and strategies and Yeah, you're like, okay, whoop do doo right? But when you you have a, an ownership, that visceral experience, it, it, it gets in our, our cells. And then it's like, oh, yeah. I, okay, I can do this, which is why you're able to, within, excuse me, 30 days, sell your house and buy your dream house within the oh, three yeah. months be moved in. They, that you just don't think about. Like, True. you've got to own the possibility to follow through to make it happen. Absolutely. You know, I think the best events are when you walk in with one mindset, but you walk out with a whole new philosophy on life. You know, you just like enlightened, you know, you're like, wow, that shift is now going to change the trajectory of my life. Yeah, that's why I got into it. My my first career was in music. So I was, uh, you know, producer, engineer and an artist. So I traveled the country as an artist, but also making records and winning multiple. You know, I didn't win personally, but worked on multiple Grammy winning records uh, like Celine Dion and J-Lo and uh, Chicago soundtrack. And then I did all the rock stuff. But when I went to Tony's event, like I was not I'd been similar to you in that I was reading a lot and doing a lot of audio books. And I ultimately like purchased every one of Tony's programs and like Marshall Silver's and like now guys are my friends, like Marshall Silver and Omar Perriou nice. and like um, uh, James Ray and, and all these, you know, being like, okay, cool. But then I ended up going to UPW. That was my first event. And I left like, OMG, this is what I've got to do. Yeah, it like not because instead of like in music, it's like this is great. I could distract someone for 45 minutes to two hours. They go to a show. I'm on stage and I'm participating in them getting out of their heads for that period of time. And that was a gift. That was a spiritual experience. But man, if I could not only entertain them so that they do lose themselves for a little bit and distract but they leave better off than that when they came that they have an aha moment they have a shift they have that paradigm shift that makes like that helps transform the world that i mean nothing could be more rewarding than that Absolutely. Uh, so you know we're obviously in the same the, the same business is in helping you know, transform lives. Uh, and it's, it's really, you know, doing the inner work is the, the most important, you know, that I agree. The inner connection to something even bigger. Yeah, that's a great point. Cause I, 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 I love music and I love the effect of entertainment. Um, I personally watch hours and hours of musical documentaries because I love to learn how an artist got started and how they progressed and what was their epiphany and how do they make it big? You know, because a lot of artists struggle. Yeah, I'm so fascinated by that. But I think very much about the future of personal development. I feel like there's going to be a Tony Robbins type figure that is very musically and entertainment oriented. Mm-hmm. Because if you look at one of Tony's videos, you know, it's hundreds of thousands of views. You look at a musician, millions and billions of views. And there's going to be someone who combines teaching philosophy, breakthroughs, insight, personal development, but also makes it extremely entertaining so it moves the masses. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk offline. I mean, I don't know if I'm going to be the guy, but I, I've had a vision about doing exactly that. That's one of the first conversations 11 years ago I had with my wife. Wow. Uh, now wife about like a, a production that is essentially a musical slash personal development event that yeah. is oh, it, yeah. it, like... That's my dream too. You know, I started performing uh, 
stand-up comedy and spoken word mm-hmm. for that purpose so I could get up there and learn these skills of entertaining a crowd, telling stories and rhyming and doing freestyle rap. You know, That's I, awesome. my free time, I just rap and do spoken word because I want to be able to teach in a rhythmical way where it's, you know, I, I saw uh, the, the Broadway show, uh, man, it was all done in rap. And that blew my mind. Um, Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Yes. And that was a very theatrical experience. It was one of mm-hmm. the top grossing uh, Broadway shows of all time. And it taught you about American history, but it did in such an entertaining and empowering way. So I'm glad we're on the same page about that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, part of my limiting belief uh, is also I know how big a project that is, meaning you yeah. know, get the band together, get, I mean, I want it to be like a band, not live music. Yeah. Like, DJ. like a whole, yeah. It's just, it would be, because I, mean, I, as a performer myself as well, you know, I can sing and I, and it like, it was, it's, yeah, it's, it's pretty comprehensive, the idea and, and definitely needs lots of partners. Um, but speaking of documentaries that are powerful about music, have you seen, we are twisted effing sister? No, I've not. Okay. Yeah. Game changer. You've okay. got to see it's on Netflix. We are twisted effing, you know, it's, it's fucking, but it's uh, with the little stars, whatever. I think it's, I hope it's still on Netflix. So obviously, you know, who twisted sister is and, oh, of course, and yeah. from Long Island. Uh, so yes. D and I are friends. I, I co-produced oh, the nice. second Widowmaker record and wow. uh, the, the documentary is about uh, twisted sister prior up until their first record deal, like the the one that blew them up. Wow. So the amount of times they were told that they suck, that they, you know, will never make it. The the the, the actual record company that signed them, the AR guy, the guy who's in charge, uh, I think it was it wasn't Jason, it was uh, uh it doesn't matter right now, I don't remember, but he said he told all the AR guys, if anyone brings twisted effing sister again to me, you're fired. Like uh-huh. that's how much he despised the idea of Twisted. And so it's just, it's amazing. Like when you watch the the doc and and like the, how they got close, they got a deal. And then the day the re- they were supposed to sign it, they go bankrupt, the record wow. company. Like all these crazy things, you'll totally dig it. And you'll I get, it. it's all about mindset. And, and yeah. how D was the driver of it, like how he was just relentless and- wow. And uh, also, if you go back, I interviewed him recently. He talks a little bit about some of his drivers and, and you know, it's pretty cool. Like I met oh, D, cool. I got I'm to know D at, at his bottom, like when he was like, had nothing. Sure. Um, so it's, uh, he, he, he came back, like he, he was up at top, lost it all, came back. Yeah, those so, are the best stories, you know? Yeah. I think it's amazing to see. And just the amount of setbacks uh, some of these artists deal with you have no idea what it takes to be a pop star or Rihanna or Justin Bieber. You know, I mean, just, I, just to get to that level of Beyonce, the amount of practice and resilience and mindset mm-hmm. and choreography. And um, this is just a, a side complaint, but I love talking about artists, but then I get this um, flack from some people that say, oh, well, they got there because the Illuminati and there's people that are obsessed that the entire music industry and celebrity is done with Illuminati or, you know, just all this nonsense. But then when they actually speak to artists, they realize the amount of work involved. I think that's a cop-out saying that I'll never be successful because 
The only way I'll be successful is if I sell my soul to the devil. Yeah. Well, now, I mean, we could extrapolate that <laughs> to to just any area of success, right? It doesn't really matter what the um, the the sector is. Yeah. Anyone who's super successful had to overcome incredible obstacles in one shape or form. Maybe yeah. they they invested in themselves, they leveraged, they, they took out their IRA and invested in their business or bought some real estate or, you know, went up against, you know, the, the challenge of everyone telling them you can't do fitness online. No, you have yeah. to do it in person, right? There's all of these different stories. And then when someone sees, and, and here's, here's what's so interesting, and I'm sure you've experienced this as well. You make things look really easy oh, yeah. because you've worked at it for so long. So what you're a master at, you have physical mastery because you did the 10,000 or 20,000 hours or more. So it looks easy for you. So someone who's just starting out is like, oh, well, you know, he has natural talent or, you know, he must be part of the Illuminati or, you know, whatever it is instead of going over. Yeah, and I actually had to step up to get to my biggest demons, which was myself, A, and then B, all the work that I had to do, every all those times when I didn't feel like going to the gym or I didn't feel like, you know, challenging myself to try a new program or, you know, hire a coach or all these things that people like don't, they forget or they don't want to like give value to that. And, and it's, you know, I, I realize we're kind of opening up Pandora's box of a deeper psychology on the yeah. challenge of victimhood that it's like using external circumstances to blame why we haven't overcome. Oh, 100%. You know, I, 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 like I take responsibility for everything in my life. It's, if it's going to be, it's up to me. And uh, I'll kind of uh, extrapolate on that because you discussed the power of resilience and pain tolerance. And I remember when I had my first seven-figure year, I, I had a dream of joining Joe Polish's Genius Mastermind. It's called the mm -hmm. 25A Group meaning you got to pay $25,000 to be a part of this group. It's a million dollar, uh, you know, starting, but there's people in that group that have million dollar businesses, $10 million businesses, hundred million dollar businesses, and a few billionaires that meet in person. And I knew the only way I could get to a higher level is being that proximity of very successful people. So about six months into the mastermind, I was having all these perspective shifts and it was really changing my life in a profound way. But crazy enough, I went through the worst three months of my life financially. Uh, at the time, my house got burglarized. Ooh. 30 days later, I lost a, a major business that I had with a partner who screwed me over, uh, no contracts. He just kind of you know, embezzled all this money. One month later, my house burned down. It was just like, you could not make this up. It was as if, you know, my life was just going downhill in a very negative way. And it was all financially and material related. And as I was going through this, I was very public about it on Facebook. Joe Polish, the uh, founder of the Mastermind, he said, there's a meeting next week. I want you to be there. You're not scheduled to be there, but please, please come. We want to help you because you're a part of this Mastermind. And I said, wow, I don't know if I want to go because I got to deal with this, you know, house okay. being burnt down and all the crazy stuff that happened to me. I was in a really bad emotional state. But I remember intuitively that I had to go to that meeting. And in doing so, uh, Joe, he's such a great guy, such a big heart. He started off the meeting sharing my story, those 
worst 90 days that I went through. And then one by one, every single member in that mastermind shared a personal story that I felt was way worse than where I was (laughs) dealing with bankruptcy. Their spouse stole all their money. Their child passed away. They dealt Mm. with terminal illness. And they talked about all of these things that they overcame. And then I had a huge shift being in that room, hearing these tragic, tragic stories that the higher up the success ladder you go, the more pain you're able to tolerate. Yeah. And it's it actually bring up a, an interesting point. The other day I, I met with uh, a good friend of mine who, um, who owned the treatment center that I, I worked with. He, you know, he was, he was a plat partner and that's how I met him through, you know, Tony and all that and ended oh, wow. up, you know, you know, getting recruited to bring personal development to the treatment world. And, uh, we were talking and he was sharing kind of all of his drama from, you know, like being like using and all of that. And then we worked together and we built the company up to 300 employees and it's a different kind of drama, but it was still drama. It was still craziness. It just had different leverage. Now we're talking about people's lives, you know, keeping them employed. You know, how can we, you know, make this an even better place to, to uh, work at and help more people. And then when we were talking the other day, we, he since has sold the business, well, the, let the business kind of, it, it disappeared. And he was sitting, he goes, you know, it didn't, you know, I didn't have to let that go. He said, but I, you know, in the middle of a divorce, Google, you know, there was a challenge with marketing and Google and, and like all these crazy things. Like I couldn't fight all of these battles. Wow. Um, and it, the biggest struggle for me was letting go of my identity being wrapped up in that treatment center. Um, but once I was able to let that go, and stop worrying about the materialistic, the, yeah. all of that, all of those things that were wrapped up go. into the identity. He's like, I've never been happier and I'm making more money now than I was before. Wow. That's powerful. Yeah. And it, it's just, profound. yeah. Cause we get so stuck into that identity and that fear yeah. that, you know, we're defined by our nice house and car and bank account and all of that. And while those are all nice, those are just a, a result of who we are. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And so much people are just so obsessed, keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that they forget about adding value, being really in the business for the, for the initial reason why they got into it in the first place. So let's just pivot to a, 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 another perspective on that, um, because this, I think a lot of the people that I, I believe that are in this industry are heartfelt, caring, loving people. I know, I mean, I don't know Joe personally, but I know obviously that group. I know a lot of members. Yeah, Yeah. such a giving man. So, and obviously you are, uh, could definitely tell by just even before talking this length with you now. um, How did you reconcile the, the ability to receive the abundance that you deserve because i i know a lot of coaches a lot of entrepreneurs a lot of people who are very heart-centered there there's that internal kind of like fear and look because of the demonization of that wealth like i'm sure there are some people the haters who are like oh look you're a seven figure oh you want you to talk about it some more right yeah. like so how did you overcome or did you have that struggle of man how do i you know kind of receive what i'm worth Absolutely. That's a great question. You know, I grew up in extreme poverty. You know, my family was on food stamps, welfare, public assistance, and we lived 
in this tiny apartment in, in the ghetto, you know, lack of a better word, mm-hmm. that's where it was. And it was growing up in this very difficult environment where I was surrounded by poverty and a negative financial belief. And I would come home and at the dinner table, my parents would argue, how are we going to pay the rent? How are we going to feed the kids? And was hearing this being the oldest boy in the family. And this was my programming Mm. for the first 20 years of my life. And I developed a really bad stutter and a lot of uh, issues because of that. And of course, once I started my own business, these negative financial worries started coming in where I was making some progress and I was losing money. Oh my God. Am I made out to be an entrepreneur? Should I just get a safe nine to five job and not have to worry about this stuff? And of course, when it came to hiring mentors and they say, it's $5,000 for 12 weeks of coaching. I shuddered at first. I was very frugal. I didn't invent in myself. And it was really having to overcome these decades of negative financial beliefs and this scarcity mindset to shift it toward abundance and start investing in myself and start really enjoying my money. You know, I was extremely cheap because I didn't spend it on myself and I didn't spend it on my lifestyle. You didn't spend it on my business. And then I had to start to get out of that mindset and take bigger risks, you know, put my money in, invest in coaches, join masterminds mm-hmm. and start paying for ads. And, you, you know, whenever someone run ads, they'll lose $20,000, $30,000 to finally crack the code. But I was ready to do that. And by taking those big financial risks, I started getting big financial rewards. And I shifted myself of, you know what? I'm not going to live forever. I'm going to enjoy my wealth. I'm going to spend it. I'm going to invest it. But at the same time, buy my toys. I had a dream car of a Bentley. You know, I want to buy this car and enjoy it while I'm young, not wait till I'm retired and 70 years old and drive it. I want it now. And I want to live an amazing life of traveling and flying first class and giving my family uh, vacations and experiences. And I realized like, wow, the more that I'm spending, the more that I'm investing, uh, my abundance is growing because from a foundational point of view, that shift from scarcity to abundance just created more and more abundance. And it, you know, it, it, it's a term that people say, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. I mean, it's true. I'm not mm-hmm. gonna lie because once I started to crack the code of wealth, I just started creating more and more uh, abundance, you know? Yeah, I mean, going down that, you know, the the truisms that are in the Bible and, and these old teachings, I mean, they're lessons that are, they, they are laws of nature. You know, it's it, it's not just well, that the... the no, rich... I'm sorry, I wanted to interject on that, but yeah. what's your case um, on the truism that a man has an easier way of going through the eye of a needle... A wealthy man, you know, you know that term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, the it's easier for uh, what is it? It's like oh man, now, a yeah, camel to go through an eye of a needle. Yeah, and a wealthy man to go to heaven. Yeah, and but what that was was, I mean, the, there actually is a little bridge that is uh, that you walk through, and it's about humility. It's okay. about it's actually, and this is where we get like the saying: um, it's better to give than to receive. Mm. No, it's better to be in the position to give than in the position to need to receive. And it's part of that also, it's it's better to give than receive, meaning like if we're always having that mindset, it's give first so your hand is open so you could receive. It's not, it's also kind of in the order right it, yeah. it because and unfortunately it's it's in my perspective 
sometimes people think, and, and I'm seeing it more and more these days, like a, an expectation, uh, it's kind of a, a, a sort of entitlement, like the mafia. Hey, I give to you, you give to me. Yes. Right. And and like there's this expectation that, exactly. hey, you know, if, if I give to you, AJ, you should give to me and say, like, well, okay. no, I'm giving to AJ of oneness of, of, you know, this is an exchange. I'm just, you know, freely adding value. Now my hand is open so that maybe it's going to come from somewhere else. I'm not exp I'm not looking to you to give back. I'm just open to the universe to give back. And sadly, I think we've gotten into a, an interesting mindset more and more over time where there's an expectation that it is like this back and forth exchange, not something that's bigger than that, that we're giving to something bigger and we're receiving from something bigger, which True. is, you know, again, I think it's a, a, a more esoteric mindset. Um, yeah, like uh, money is not the root of evil, greed yes you know? money's just a tool yeah, exactly. you could hoard money or you yeah. could hoard candy like it True. doesn't <laughs> yeah exactly. it's still an addiction yeah you know um last year around this time right before uh, the pandemic was getting really worse and i kind of saw things are going downhill um i took it upon myself to just give back in a, in a very massive way so i said i'm going to create a free live coaching program where I just take whoever wants to learn how to build an online business, teach them basic marketing, sales, coaching their first clients, and just do it on my social media without mm -hmm. asking for anything in return. It's a very spontaneous thing. And I just made a, a Facebook post about it. And I said, if you want to get free coaching, and if you are kind of confused on how to build an online business or what to do during this difficult time, join my program. And uh, I had about 250 people that, that joined into that. And I was coaching all of them. It was a lot of fun. And again, I was just purely giving and giving and giving and giving and not asking for anything in return. Of course, a lot of people saw the value in the program. They ended up joining my other coaching programs. Mm -hmm. And that just really showed me like, that's a mindset that I have that I want to be in a place where I'm adding more value to the universe that I'm taking in. And in the same way, I decided to do this, the same challenge. I'm going to do it uh, April 5th again, because okay. it's the best feeling you know, they're, they're, they're obviously there are people that could afford my coaching and they're in a good financial position. There's people that cannot. They have a lot of money fears and, and challenges. So I love the fact that I could create free programs and give my, my, my best stuff away, premium uh, information, because I believe in giving away premium information, but charging premium for the implementation as well. Right. And and that's the balance, right, is yeah. is just being congruent with who you are and knowing and being confident like, hey, the people who can, you know, who well and, and there are some people who say they can't afford it and they can't afford not to. And yeah. that's that distinction where, you know, they, they have to recognize, like you shared earlier, that investment in yourself, like the, the more you prime your own pump especially if you're a coach, man, if you're a coach and you're not willing to invest in yourself, you're doomed because oh, yeah. you're not going to have confidence and certainty to ask anyone to invest. Oh, true. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be like, Oh, I don't pay for coaching. How can I ask anyone else to pay for it? No. And, and uh, you know, you're literally doing that. You have an abundant mindset. Obviously we've been connected for quite a long time. You're putting so much effort into your posts, into your content, like just giving massive yeah. nuggets of value. You know, right now we're talking for 90 minutes and you're just giving your time, your energy, and we're creating this piece of content. 
that people could watch and get insights from. We're not asking for anything in return. We no. love giving, we love sharing, we're having a great conversation. But the only thing I would ask there. is, is apply it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like exactly. Take one by example. Yeah. And implement it. But I, you know, I think you're a very giving man. And by you adding so much value to the universe, is no coincidence why you have such an abundant life. It's it's all psychology. Back to what you teach. Yeah. Whether it's losing weight, improving your relationships, growing your business, it starts here, here, and there. Then it goes out. Like That's it's right. it's aligning mind, body, spirit, congruent with all of that, so that you can handle all of the resistance, all of the challenges, and navigate our our way through. So. Yeah. Uh, man, we could talk for hours. I want to honor your time. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you? What is, you know, you have April 5th, you have your uh, yeah. next challenge, but what is something that you're excited about that we can also let people be aware of so that they can uh, learn more and, and bask in your majesty? Oh, thank you. It's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> but yeah, like, like right now, I'm super pumped about this challenge. I did it last year had incredible results and just brought a lot of people together in this community towards growing their business and helping more people. And if you're listening right now, you want to jump into that, you go to onlinesupercoach.com forward slash seven, number seven. And you go there and it's a page about the challenge. It's totally free. Uh, jump in. It's going down April 5th, uh, 2021. And uh, you just got your email. You get all the information and, and the whole details about that. And that's my main website too, Online Super Coach. So when you go there, you'll get to see uh, my other work, my other programs, my podcast, the books I've written, my live events, when they come back again. And uh, I'm pretty approachable on social media. I'm sure you are as well, Doug. So mm -hmm, like, absolutely. You just you know, Google me, add me on Facebook, send me a message, and I'll, and I'll reply back. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, dude... Thank you so much. Uh, I love you for who you are and who you aren't. And you're, you know, you're definitely a shining light, adding tremendous value. And I'm blessed to, uh, to know you and share this time with you and look forward to rocking with you in the future. It sounds like there's going to be even more fun to be had. Yes. Appreciate you. Thank you. This is awesome. This is a, a great way of just, you know, collaborating on a great conversation, but also uh, adding value. And I'm going to hold you accountable. We have to have a conversation about that musical event. Yes. Because it just sparked that that passion in me again. It's something I would love to talk to you about because we no, have to make this happen. Definitely. And uh, your homework will be We Are Twisted F and Sister. Yes. I, I, I wrote it in my <laughs> school. I'm going to watch it this evening. Awesome, brother. I appreciate you. And uh, yeah, let's keep the flow going. Likewise, Doug. Awesome, brother. God bless. Thank you so much for stopping by and hanging with us. And remember to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast right here. And we look forward to serving you even more. Remember, download your free guided hypnotic meditation at guidedhypnotic.com. That's guidedhypnotic.com where you'll get your free anxiety-busting meditation. We look forward to serving you, and if you have any questions, comments, please feel free to reach out. All right, we love you for who you are and who you aren't. God bless.